Welcome to Your Worthy Career, a podcast with me, Melissa Lawrence. I'm a career and life coach with all the corporate cred in talent development and organizational psychology, and I help women like you get extraordinary results by being more you, not less. I won't just help you have a career experience worthy of you, but I will help you build your self-worth to shift what you think is possible and take the action that will create the career you've always wanted. Whether it's more meaningful work you're passionate about, making more money, getting to your next level, or being more effective as a leader, we are shattering the glass ceiling here. The one that exists for women at work and the one we put on ourselves with our doubt and inner critic. Each week, you will get practical teachings grounded in neuroscience and effective career development strategies. You'll experience deep mindset shifts and the perfect amount of woo so you can run your career with ease rather than your career running you. You were born for more, and I'm going to help you get there with maybe a few dance parties along the way. Your up level begins now. Hi, Jeff. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Melissa. Glad to be here. How's everything going? Good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Good. So for those of you that are not familiar with Jeff, Jeff was on the podcast earlier this year, and we had a really hot episode called Secrets from a Recruiter, which we talked about everything from figuring out what you want in your job to navigating the interview process, how to tap into the hidden job market, how much your resume matters, all of the things. So you can get a deep dive on that conversation by going back to that episode. But today we're going to be talking all about the current state of the industry. There's been a lot of reorganizations, a lot of layoffs, a lot of changes. And understandably, there's a lot of people that are kind of concerned, wondering whether they've been impacted or not, what the future of the industry is, if there are certain parts of the industry that are growing or not, and kind of trying to get that career stability or security, even with all of this change going on. So Jeff and I are going to be having a conversation about that today. I'm excited to dig into it. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. So Jeff, if you could just refresh everyone on who you are and what you do. Sure thing. So I am a a recruiting consultant. I specialize in the biotech industry, have been recruiting in this industry uh, almost for eight years now. And prior to to being in this industry was in pharmaceutical sales. So in totality, I've been in the pharma biotech industry for about a decade now. I am the founder of Nexogen Search. Uh, Nexogen Search is a biotech specialized recruitment firm. We help primarily uh, startup and, and growth stage companies uh, in the United States with building out their R&D, clinical, CMC, and leadership teams. Great. So as far as who you work with in the geographical area, just because there's people that listen to this podcast from all over the world, can you provide a little clarity on the geographic area that you work in? Yeah, certainly. Uh, primarily East Coast. I am located now in uh, South Carolina uh, physically and, and lived in Maryland for many years. So I typically work with companies in the Southeast to, to Mid-Atlantic region for the most part. Okay, perfect. And so what have you been hearing? What's been the 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 buzz in the industry around what's going on with all of the different restructuring and changes that are going on? Yeah, good question. So I think, I mean, especially since last fall, second half of 2022, really, we've obviously seen a lot of 
layoffs across the industry, a lot of restructuring, uh, a lot of jobs have been impacted by that. So I, I don't want to discount that fact uh, whatsoever. One of the things that I, I'm seeing now coming into now we're in the midst of September, kind of starting to roll into Q4, is I'm seeing a, a lot more of a positive outlook from from the industry as a whole. September is is really kind of loosening up, it seems like, in terms of job opportunities. Many of the clients that I work with, they may have been in a hiring freeze or very conservative about their hiring uh, in the later half of last year, the beginning uh, of this year, are starting to open positions back up again. They're starting to make both strategic as well as operational hires. And really, I think, starting to prepare for what 2024 brings in terms of their headcount. I'm also seeing that companies are still being somewhat conservative uh, in terms of their hiring. I think when you look back at 2020 and 2021, we saw this big kind of growth in the biotech and pharmaceutical community. And there, there's a number of reasons for that. I think one of the biggest is that there was just a, a huge influx of funding um, that came into the industry. A lot of that could have been tied to the global pandemic and, and COVID vaccines. And so you really saw from, from 2018-19 to 2020-21, I mean, this funding just really ballooned. And, and with that, there was a lot of job opportunities. There was a lot of hiring going on. And, and much like other industries, it's not that the bubble has burst, but I think that it, it started to recorrect itself. We have not gotten completely past COVID, but we've we've definitely moved on from that in terms of a lot of the development efforts that are going on. And, and there still are some. And I think as a whole, you're starting to see the market kind of recorrect itself. So anytime a market kind of balloons up like that and then kind of tapers off, it doesn't mean that it's dying. It doesn't mean that it's bursting completely. It just is kind of self-correcting itself. And, and unfortunately, that results in job losses and it results in, in less hiring for a, a period of time. What I'm also starting to see is, is companies that are maybe have hired more aggressively in the past are, are learning from that. And so I'm seeing a bigger demand for subject matter experts and consultants, especially in recruitment. They may not need full-time resources on every project, or they may have very specialized projects. And so I'm seeing a bigger demand in that space. And, and overall, I think it is loosening up and there's some things to be excited about uh, from a kind of macro perspective. Mm -hmm. No, that's really interesting. And I wanted us to have this conversation because I know it can feel really scary when there's these changes going on, whether it's happening to your company or it's happening to your friends. And I know I've seen a change in the last several months where as far as the clients that I work with, where we use what I call like an industry disrupt strategy, which is doing what is against kind of traditional career advice to get your foot in the door, to build relationships, to figure out what it is that you want, and then make sure that you're positioned well to get that because there are a lot of changes that are going on in the industry. But also I'm having more people reach out to me that are impacted by a layoff or a reorg. And sometimes they're taking that news with the perspective that this is an opportunity to start fresh. It's an opportunity to kind of recover from burnout and figure out what I want next. And sometimes it's scary of like, is is this the future? Is it always going to be hard for me? And I think it's when it's the first time that you're experiencing that, or if you haven't experienced it very frequently, it can feel really scary. But I do want to acknowledge that the nature of this industry is to have ups and downs, but there's yeah. always going to be a need for development and discovery. There's always going to be a need for medicine for our population. 
So the industry isn't going away. It's also a lot larger than we can sometimes see because like you're in the Mid-Atlantic region. I also live in Maryland, but I work with people all over the world. And the industry is just so much bigger than what we see day to day. So there's actually a lot of opportunity. But when you're getting that real-time negative impact or having some of that fear come up, that can feel really real. And so I want this to be a, a conversation that's realistic on what's going on and acknowledging those things, but also showing some hope that there is a way to navigate it and still make job changes if that's really what you want or to recover from um, a displacement. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And and one of the big points there is this industry has historically always been very cyclical in, in the terms of there, there are ups and downs. And, and oftentimes there, because of how quickly innovation moves and, and how quickly we have to respond to certain things within the global health space, it, it can happen pretty quickly. And it, it can seem like a lot in the moment, but as you look back um, at some of the data that uh, even from the kind of most recent downturn, I mean, 2008 timeframe obviously was was a pretty big downturn. And, and it, there was a year or two after that, that it, it kind of stayed pretty consistent in, in growth for the biotech community. But then, I mean, it came back and it, and it grew even more from that. And, I, and I'm not thinking that, I mean, as we look at the next three to five years, we'll, we'll see a, a similar turnaround overall. I think positivity and kind of where you focus your mind when taking in all this information I mean, LinkedIn is a great tool, but it's like information overload. And much just like the big news channels, what what we see the most of how the algorithms are developed and how they're created is to is to put bad news always in front of us. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of what the industry is doing. But there's also a lot of positive signs that you can also focus your attention on. And, and that's one of the things I, I mean, I try to do in my day to day in recruitment. I mean, when the industry is bad, when it's down, when there's layoffs, it affects my business. It, it doesn't allow me to have as, as much going on as well. And so I really try to focus in on, on what are the positive outlooks? Uh, how can I be realistic about the market and know what's coming next? And um, continuing to kind of sharpen our tools to, to, to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought that up because my son is 16 and he's just been telling me this last week that I need to stop watching so much news. So because I'll watch the news in the morning while I have coffee most days and he's like, you need to stop watching this because it's just giving you things to get fired up about and it has such a negativity spin. And that's true because if you think about just relationships in general and the way that we communicate and you mentioned LinkedIn, people are often more likely to speak up or complain when something's wrong as opposed to just call up a friend and say, I just want to let you know I'm so happy right now, right? You don't think it's oh, I need to tell you my boss sucks or like there's this awful thing going on. So that's such a good point that there is, I mean, our brains already have a negativity bias, but then that's just the way that we get a lot of information is just fueling that even more. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's in the way that these platforms work too. That's what that's what they're putting in front of us uh, the most. Mm -hmm. I mean, how the news industry is, has worked always historically. I, I personally don't watch the news, like big news outlets. I, my, my parents, uh, my dad watches news like a few hours a day and like I would go into his house and I would turn it off. I'm like, nope, not watching this. Unless this is like good news stories, I don't want any part right. of it. Cause your mind can just get attached to that stuff and you, you start to forget that you need to be aware of what's going on in the world and, and not everything is rainbow and sunshine. But at the same time, being able to control that 
being able to put your your resources, your time and effort in something that's productive versus just kind of getting on the bandwagon of what's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a good point because you can seek out news sources, whether it's for the industry or anything that are positive stories. Like I follow a number of different accounts that their job is just to put out here are all the good things that happened this week that you might have missed just so you don't get so stuck in everything that's going wrong. And so you can do the same thing with this industry. Like if you're working for a company that was impacted by any sort of change that was negative for you, you can go and say, well, let me look at those companies that are growing and let Mm -hmm. me look at all the potential or let me look for the people on LinkedIn that just got promoted or just got into a new job just to diversify the perspective that you have. So what are some signs that you could share that the industry is actually doing well and not dying? Yeah, no, good question. I'm a big numbers guy. I've always liked to follow trends. And, and one of the trends that I obviously follow is, I mean, where the money is leading. And so as we got into September, one of the kind of interesting data points that I've been tracking is is VC funding and looking at rounds that have come in north of 30 million uh, for the startup industry. Now, I can't track everything out there, and and but I tend to play in more of the startup space. And so September right now is on track to be the in the U.S. the the highest uh, amount for the year. I believe that um, VC funding looking at above thirty million rounds from C to Series D was about one point eight billion in March, which was the highest so far, and we're already at close to one point four billion here in September, just a couple weeks in. So I'm seeing that it looks like these. Venture capital investors are starting to to loosen up. I think as layoffs happen and as as the pandemic kind of slowed down and some of that influx, people took a pause, reallocated that. Um, the general market was uh, was a little bit more shaky as well. But it's starting to seem like this fall it is loosening up a little bit from a from a funding standpoint, which equals more jobs and more opportunities. Also, I mean, just personally, and I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. A lot of the companies that I've worked with or hiring managers or executives that I stay in close contact with, I mean, in the first half of this year, really, in, in my outreach to them and, and understanding where their company was going in the next two, three, six months, a lot of the companies say, were saying like, hey, fall, end of year, we're going to probably start picking up hiring again. We've got certain clinical data readouts coming. We are expecting the funding to kind of loosen up at that point. And so over the last three to four months and just really being out in the market and finding out what's what, a lot of the executives out there have really mentioned this fall and, and year end of where they're going to kind of start picking back up on some strategic hiring for their different programs. So I think on that side, it's it's showing signs of hope um, as a whole. And and I think as we, as we turn into the new year and, and even in Q4, uh, we're going to see uh, an uptick uh, from what we saw during the summer and in spring this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, from what I'm seeing also, I've had a number of clients either get promoted or move into positions that were more aligned with what they wanted to do. So more of a lateral move or even mm-hmm. get a new job with multiple competing offers, like all in just the last few months. So it's definitely not um, without opportunity or hope or potential for you to continue to grow your career during this time. I think part of it, and I think we're going to get into this in a little bit, is around really knowing what it is that you want so that you can position yourself to get that. Because if you're looking for 
just any sort of movement or I just want a promotion and you're looking for the next title up from where you are, then you could probably go on LinkedIn or Indeed and see, okay, there's really not that many of an associate director in ClinOps. So therefore, there's not opportunity. But there's so many different titles for the same role. You might be looking for the wrong thing. That also might not be the type of role that you want. It also might be something that isn't posted. Like a lot of the jobs that I help my clients get into, I get them created for them. They didn't exist before. Or we like negotiate a current job opening for something that's better aligned. So there's so many different creative ways that you can get into the job that you want and still get that growth, even when you're not seeing your ideal title listed on a job page. Yeah, that's a great point uh, regarding title. And I think you have to react in, in this market to a little bit differently than than you may have reacted a couple of years ago. Companies, when they're in big hiring, there's a lot of hiring momentum. You're able to get more of what you want, honestly. You, you can take leaps and bounds in compensation or job title or whatever it may be, much easier than you can in a market that's a little bit more constrained. And so a lot of the candidates I've been working with as well, try to take, hey, let's take job title off of the table for a second. Like in this type of market, you don't have to look at it as a lateral move, um, but sometimes you have to take a step sideways to, to take a step forward. And, and and there may be a barrier that might exist in your current company, or there is a fear of, of a restructuring or a layoff or whatever it may be. And so it's not to say that you are kind of giving away the farm on that or, or you're, you're making a, a sacrifice on that, but trying to remember what's, what's really important and, and what's going to propel your career over the next three to five years versus mm-hmm. the next one year. So I think you just have to have a kind of a, a more forward thinking approach to that. And again, the market right now is, is not quite as flexible as it was for candidates two years ago because there was more opportunity. And so you have to react to that market um, from different from different perspectives. So I love the fact that creating jobs that you mentioned as well. And I know we've talked a lot about like writing your own job description mm-hmm. for your clients. Like that's awesome. Like, and, and that takes a little bit of a, a different approach. But I think when you position that wet yourself that way for either your current company or for a, a, a prospective company that you're going to work for, still focusing in on what you want and, and really not not sacrificing what are the actual responsibilities? What's the leadership opportunity? What's the growth opportunity? And that's mm-hmm. that's a key one is where can I grow from here without always just thinking about the, the now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like knowing, like we talk about before, like knowing your why is really important when there's limited opportunity. So if, if there's, if the industry is really booming, right? Like it's kind of like the housing market. There's like a million houses available that you want, then it's a lot easier to get it. You're not going to have a bidding war. But when you like have more limited options or your company is maybe tightening up their their wallets a little bit and not just handing out promotions based on tenure, then like knowing what you want and having those skills to influence and position it to be a winning outcome for the company and not just, well, I've put in the hard work, I've put in the sweat and tears, so give me the title. When you're yep. able to just like, because that's more of an entitlement attitude that some people can fall prey to, which yep. I think used to work. That used to be a thing. Like you just work hard, you get all the education. And then after a certain number of years, you're just going to get these promotions every couple of years. But now, like when you have the skills to really like be successful and make it kind of just a no brainer for your company to promote you or to give you a different job, it's so much easier to do when you do that in an industry or in like an, like with what's going on right now with the industry. Yeah. And I think, 
going to the housing analogy, I love that. It's that think about it as a, a fixer upper or a remodel. So you may not get the perfect house that you want that's walk-in ready, uh, but you may need to put a little bit of work into it. You may need to come in there and, and essentially by bringing your value to the table, once you get in that role, you may be able to remodel a little bit and make it that more perfect job for yourself. Yeah. I think in this market, you've got to be able to bear a little bit more risk um, mm-hmm. than maybe before um, where, where everyone could be super picky on what they wanted because there was every company uh, hiring and, and hiring at a quick pace. But sometimes getting into a role, a hiring manager or company may not realize all the skill sets you have coming into that, but mm-hmm. you can create those opportunities by just seeing the, by seeing the opportunity coming in and, and kind of having a plan to how, how could I, how could I remodel this particular role for myself once what's in the role? Um, if there's, if there's mm-hmm. the right space. Yeah, that winning angle, like that's how I talk about is like having this winning angle or positioning yourself to kind of stand out to get that. Like we could just make this all about real estate because I did this with our house that we have now. So um, there was limited houses on the market. I really wanted this house. We had already lost three houses. And so what I did is I wrote a letter to the sellers and sent like a picture of my family and said, we love your house. And like, this is how we want to live in your house. And this is how we're going to use this space. And this is how my children are going to grow up here. And that got us the house. So the sellers like really liked the idea. They were, um, they were an older couple. They didn't have children and they were, they really loved the idea of like passing this house. They had it since it was built into a family. And so that was the reason that they gave it to us over the other people, even with a higher bid. So that is just like, that's a housing example, but it's the same thing in the job place too. Like in the workplace is looking at like, what is it that I can offer that other people are offering? How can I show the company how me being in this role or me being promoted is going to benefit them just as much as it's going to benefit me? Yeah. And and it kind of creates another thought in my brain is that one thing I'm seeing too is that job description as as companies are kind of tightening the wallets a little bit or being more conservative, those other things that you can offer to a, to an employer are very important right now. You may have a skill set in X, but you also know a good bit about Y. And, and so being able to say, well, I can also help out in this particular region, or I can, I can also make an impact here. They may be looking at this, okay, now we're getting, we're getting additional things that we didn't have in the job description um, so you're again, you're creating opportunity for yourself, but you're also creating more value for the employer uh, and the other areas of the business or other functions that you can also impact. So um, I like that that kind of analogy back to here's how we're gonna here's how we're gonna utilize your house. This is what it's gonna mean to us. You, you can take the same approach to an interview. Well, here's how I envision the role. Here's also where I can make an impact that you guys may have not already thought about. Mm-hmm. And, and that's huge. I, I think it's again, you're getting you're getting more bang for your buck as a company. And you're also getting to expand yourself as a as a, an employee. You're getting to step into new fields, and and when the next downturn t- comes, it's going to be useful to have additional skill set um, outside of just what your 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 kind of key expertise is, expertise is. Mm-hmm. So let's just continue on this since we've just started this conversation. If people are like looking for another job, either that they were laid off or maybe they're just looking to make a pivot right now, what would you tell them is important for them to focus on given the state of the industry? Yeah. So one of the things, whether you're actively or or not actively looking, say you're 
your position has been eliminated or you're just hearing the rumblings in your company or the industry as a whole. I, I think that we've all learned that even outside of biotech, we've all learned that you need to really kind of pay closer attention to what the market's doing. Uh, you also need to pay close attention and kind of always keep an eye out for what's next. We don't usually get the heads up uh, in these cases where our, our jobs can be eliminated or they're going to be pulling back on, on certain areas or there's a restructuring happening. So I think, I mean, one of the things that we all need to be doing is is always continue to be networking, always keep your doors kind of open to to new opportunities. And whether the timing always works out for those or not, you do have the right to not take a job offer, but have conversations. If it's recruiting or hiring manager or colleagues or whatever it may be, I think just kind of hedge your bets and continue to learn from this sort of market um, so that in, in future cases, you can be most prepared for whatever comes your way. One of the things, I mean, you touched on before, and, and I'm a big advocate of this, is, is to know your why. And what I, what I mean by that is remember why you got into this industry, what impact you want to make, whether that's on patients or processes or whatever it may be. Know your why coming into to the job search and really kind of make that the core of, of what that next step is. We talked a lot about job titles and promotions and things of that nature, but at the end of the day, to, to find, I think, true happiness in your role, it, it's got to be backed by more than just a paycheck or a job title or what's on your responsibility list. I mean, f- for my personal case, my why in recruiting is, is because of the impact this industry makes on patients and on medicines. I've personally been impacted by a lot of diseases in my family and loved ones and friends. And so I like the people in this industry because they are genuinely passionate about um, the impact that their work is going to do on the greater population or or even smaller populations of, of individuals. And so whatever your why might be, I mean, jot that down and, and kind of build that sort of mold around that because that'll give you a lot of perspective into what's really important in your next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for other people, I think work-life balance, it might be their why, or it might be the ability to be challenged in the role, whatever that is. I think if you can kind of nail that down, the rest is like dominoes. It'll start to kind of fall in place more naturally for you. And you won't find yourself in roles just for things that are a little bit more granular. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important to like know your purpose, your zone of genius, like what you really want to do, the impact you want to have. That's really great. And the networking piece, so we, there's other podcasts on or episodes on this podcast around networking. We talked about it in our last episode together. Um, But I did want to mention just a a courage piece. Sometimes people hear networking and they get a little hesitant of like, what does that mean? And so I suggest just reaching out to people you already know that you've already worked with or that you already like and just saying, hey, how was your summer? That's all it has to be right now. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. And it can build from there. But it does take a little bit of courage. Like I will have people just like I'll offer to connect them to other people in my network just to kind of get to know each other. And sometimes they'll feel really hesitant of like, oh, I don't know. Like like it's like there's a little bit of fear, a little like freeze response of maybe what will happen in that conversation. But it's really with anxiety or anything where you have nerves like that, it's so much bigger before you actually take the step. So we build it up and it's like, 100% anxiety, but that compared to what it actually is when you do it, it's like 10%. So you make it so much bigger. So just have the courage and take the step to 
reach out, network, have those conversations. And going back to what we said earlier, just to get a bigger view, if for nothing else, on like what's going on, asking people how they're doing. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right. It's um, for a lot of folks and, and including myself, my job is to network, but I, I get anxiety about it and new relationships. You, you build relationships for a long time and you feel comfortable in that circle. Mm-hmm. But there, there are times where you need to expand that circle. And um, one of the one of the best things that I do if I'm like, write my message or whatever my outreach is, and and I just like kind of close my eyes and, and hit the send button, like, all right, <laughs> yeah. what's, the, what's the worst thing that can happen? My, my house isn't going to fall down because that happened or you know, whatever it may be. But yeah, I think it's it's uncomfortable in a lot of ways. But if you do it in a way that's genuine, I mean, what I mean, unless somebody's just not happy or wants to be rude for no reason, usually you don't you don't get a negative response. But I get no response and that's not abnormal. But mm-hmm. I think if you're if you're genuine in your approach and, and you take that approach to it, it, it usually can be something that, that pays dividends down the road. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if you had a crystal ball, what would you say is the future of the industry? Oh man, I would love a crystal ball. Um so magic ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so a couple of things that I'm, I'm seeing in terms of trends, I think that one of the things is just the biotech industry is is quickly changing. It's it is changing at a quicker pace than it did 10, 15 years ago. And I think that where I'm seeing a higher demand for, for people, and I'm also seeing a lot of the capital flow into our, our spaces, um, AI-driven drug discovery is huge right now. Obviously, there's cost-saving models for that. There's some sort of back and forth, obviously, in anything with AI right now on the on the on the ethics. Um, but that's that's seeming to grab a lot of attention, a lot of funding. Um, next generations of cell therapy, um, I think, are, are huge. Um, CAR T and PCR platforms and all the different platforms have been have seen a lot of commercialization. Uh, there's a ton of clinical trials going on, but there's still a lot of gaps. And that around manufacturing, uh, supply chain, and a number of others. And so you're seeing a lot of different sort of platforms roll out right now. Um, a lot of next generation, second, third generations that are seeing improvements from from prior. And so I, I think that's still a, a sector of the industry that's going to uh, continue to see a lot of growth. Um, gene editing is huge. Um, and then uh, biomanufacturing, I think that in the next generation of biomanufacturing is going to grow a lot. From a sort of position standpoint, and I don't have data, a ton of data to back this up right here, but um, it's more of an educated guess. I think after this market, and maybe in the short term, you, you're going to see a larger influx of jobs for contract organizations, companies that overhired, maybe on the sponsor side, biotech, pharma, uh, maybe overhired internally, whether it was in manufacturing or clinical or research and development. I think are for a shorter period of time are maybe going to outsource more to kind of protect themselves from future layoffs or at least hope they are. And so I think that you'll see your CDMOs, your contract research and clinical organizations, um, those companies may be seeing a higher influx of business because there will still be a number of programs that need to be supported, but maybe don't have the in-house resources. And then one of the things I'm seeing right now is a, a higher demand for for consultants. I think that when you have heavy load of FTEs, it is a bigger impact when projects get cut. And and you may see a lot more of a, a specialized need to come in for temporary six month a year type of consultancy to, to get projects through certain cycles. 
So those are some of the kind of areas that I'm starting to see and some of the areas that I'm I'm taking some educated guesses in. Yeah, that's really good. And I, I think that'll be really um, useful for people to really think about is if you want to make a pivot and you know what it is that you want, there's more than just like the traditional way to get it. So I had a, a client Swathi on my podcast a few weeks ago and she was a bench scientist and she wanted to move into management. She wanted to work for a large pharma company. And so the way that we did that is she became open to a contract role with the potential to become permanent. And that worked out great because she could go in. It kind of lit a fire under her to demonstrate that she had these transferable skills, that she could hit it out of the park. And she very quickly got moved into a full-time position and she loves it there right? Or I've had clients go into consulting and do that kind of on the side and then go into that full time. Some have just made the leap um, when that's something that they really want, right? So there's a way that you can figure out like what are those non-negotiables is consulting right for you? You don't want to just kind of jump ship without being really clear on what that uh, takes and what's involved in that. But I think it's good for people to hear that opportunity and that potential. I also have um, people that I work with that are really into data science and AI. And I think it's cool to see kind of the growth in that area too. That's not a subject area of expertise of mine in any way, but I have someone on the podcast that's coming up this week at the time that we're recording this episode. This is the live episode that's going to be coming up this week. Her name is Catherine and she's really passionate about data science and AI and bringing tech to biotech. And I just think that that is such a, a cool niche and a cool area to see this industry go into. Like that's part of the reason I love being in this industry is my background is in organizational psychology and career development, but I'm with all of these brilliant scientists and data-driven minds. And it's just really, I learn a lot just being in the the atmosphere with everyone that we work with. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm the same I'm the same way. I, I think that one of the things that keeps me in this industry, no matter what the market does, a lot of recruiters pivot as well. I mean, you biotech's down, let me go here. And mm-hmm. I've always just kind of been pulled back because of just the amount of things that you learn. It's it's fascinating. Um, I, I'm not a really technical. I, I didn't really enjoy the bench when I was in college. I uh, knew that I, I wasn't going to write code probably, um, any of that, but I love learning about it. And in every conversation I have with people, um, I just try to be a sponge and just learn something new. And, and the same goes for back to networking. As you're talking to people, maybe they're not in your exact field. Learn some other new things. Learn where their industry or their space is going. You never know what might pique your interest and where there's transferable skills for yourself and, and what you might become passionate about. So yeah, I think I think those are great points, Melissa. Okay. So pivot a little bit to something that's going on that I'm hearing people talk about, which is feeling afraid or nervous when their company is making a lot of changes. So we've had a number of companies in this area, but I think even globally lay off 20% of their workforce, 40% of their workforce. And those that were not impacted, as in they still have their position, there's a lot of chatter going on around, I feel like I need to get out. I feel like I need to explore something else because I I don't know if this company is going under. I don't know what's going to be happening and I don't feel secure in my role. So I feel like knowing what to do in that situation may be a little bit more of my wheelhouse, but I would love to know like your perspective on it as far as like what you would tell someone in that situation. I think I would tell them the same thing I would tell them 
in a good situation is is always always keep an open mind always always keep your eyes open for whatever it may be like you don't have to say yes to everything you don't have to talk to every person that pops up in your inbox or or gives you a call or whatever but i think this market and, and previous markets have have taught people that at the end of the day no one is immune really and whether you are impacted or your performance or whatever there's things outside of our control and in, in companies and corporations that we just we can't predict and so i think you need to always protect uh, numero uno first and and whatever that may be and so yeah i think that it's it's you, you don't want to necessarily layoffs are going to happen you don't always want to jump the next week cuz and make a rash decision but i think you need to always be kind of prepared that in this industry it, it's probably just a matter of time before you might be impacted whether it's now 5 10 years down the road mm-hmm. i mean i've talked to some some great leaders and i've seen uh, thousands of resumes and a big common thing. I mean, at some point, everyone's kind of been hit with it, whether it's through a restructuring, an acquisition, just a, a general cut of resources. And so I, I think that you just need to be prepared. The other thing I would say is is pay attention to the signs. Even if the layoff hasn't happened yet, uh, knowing where the market is, knowing where the industry is right now, pay attention to, to what's happening around you. If you're getting kind of pulled back on some things or projects or things aren't moving as quickly or you're noticing that that promotion that you were up for keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed. Um, I mean, those are those are sometimes signs that there is maybe something coming down the pipeline. So even if it hasn't gotten there yet where you've had colleagues impacted and maybe you survived that layoff, just keep kind of keep your eyes open for what's going on around you because I think there are signs in, in any company um, that, that things might be heading to mm-hmm. the south direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would say also to be loyal to yourself more than you're loyal to a company. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of us, myself included, when I work for companies, it's like you, it's just human nature. When you work somewhere a long time, you get to know the people and maybe you really like the company and it can feel scary to move away from that or, um, to or feel like you're betraying them in their time of downfall or something to, to move on. But at the end of the day, you have to look out for yourself and what's really important to you. And this really goes back to what we talked about earlier with your network and keeping your network warm is when you keep your network warm, it's a lot easier to always have opportunities to pivot to and to have those conversations and say, hey, I'm I'm exploring something else just to see what your options are. One of the assessments that I do with clients is we kind of figure out their non-negotiable, like their anchors for their career. And for some people, security and stability is number one. And for those people, it's going to be more important for them at the end of the day to feel secure and to feel stable. And if they can't achieve that during whatever is going on with their company, then for their own mental health and well-being, it may be better for them to move on to something else. So really knowing like what's important to them and what it is that that they need, they can then make a decision. But exploring your options doesn't mean you're deciding to leave. So I think it's always good to know your options so you don't feel stuck. Okay, so as we wrap up, is there a piece of advice that you would offer to someone who is concerned about the future of the industry? I think the biggest piece of advice is just keep keep learning new skills. Keep putting extra tools in your toolbox. The industry is quickly moving. Um, it has its ups and downs, and and the best way to prepare for what's 
what's to come is to keep making yourself valuable as much as possible. So uh, never quit learning. Uh, most people in this industry uh, are lifelong learners. And I think if you can just keep learning new skills and, and keep adding value uh, to whatever organization you might be in next, you'll be more immune to, to things like this in the future. Okay. And I will add one more thing to that, which is just to have a community of support around you. So whether that's reaching out to people, your friends and family, getting a mentor, getting a coach, finding a community like Women in Bio or something like that, just to have other people around you that so you don't feel alone and you have a safe space to really talk about whatever you're feeling. I also have another podcast episode that I'll link to in the show notes for this episode around survivor's guilt. So if you're someone that is still with the organization, but you're kind of struggling in that area, then um, you will have that resource. And then um, there was a lot of great insight here around how to navigate a restructure. But I also plan on doing another episode around if you're laid off and kind of some specific advice for that circumstance also. So before we close here, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So um, I'm pretty present on LinkedIn. Always a great way. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Name is Jeff Kasky, C-A-S-K-E-Y. Follow Nexogen Search as well on LinkedIn. We also have a, a website, nexogensearch.com. Uh, contact information, including email and cell phone number is located there as well. Uh, and if you don't make it there, my email is jeff at nexogensearch.com. So pretty simple. And um, yeah, I look forward to hearing from some of the, the listeners. Last time we did this, I, I was able to connect with a lot of great folks in your network and that, are, that follow the podcast. And so don't hesitate to reach out to me if there's anything I can do to be a resource to you. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on. I'll put all of your contact information in the notes of this episode also so people can easily find you. Perfect. Awesome. I have something special for you. Episode is over, but that doesn't mean your development ends here. If you enjoyed the podcast episode today, head to my website at yourworthycareer.com and check out additional free resources you can get access to right now. From joining my free VIP insiders to downloadable resources and trainings, you won't want to miss it. Head there now.